Some call us nerds, others call us crazy. We call ourselves Grainiacs. We've got grain on the brain and we are getting inside our experts' heads. In our podcast, we will discuss topics from every inch of the rice industry and our cooperative. You know, Ryson is blessed to be a member of USA Rice. The importance of trade associations in Washington, D.C. is vital. There are so many issues to look out for on a daily basis and the staff at USA Rice definitely does that. Whether it be regulatory issues, promotion issues, trade issues, or farm bill issues, USA Rice is on top of it for all of the rice industry. Recently, we sat down with the leadership team and had a discussion. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Graniacs Podcast. I'm Kevin McJilton, Chief of Staff and Vice President of Government Affairs for Rice and Foods. Today we're at the University of Arkansas System of Agriculture Rice Field Day and look who I have rounded up for us. I've got the lead staff of our trade association, USA Rice. So welcome Betsy, Michael, and Sarah. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Thanks glad to be here, yeah. So Betsy, you serve as president and CEO and we know you've recently announced your retirement, which we're all sad about. But if you will, tell us a little bit about your role at USA Rice. Well, I always like to say, uh, if, it's, if, it, if it deals with rice, we deal with it, right? So a- anything to do with rice, um, we oversee and we work on. So whether it's international promotion or policy, which Sarah works on, or domestic promotion, which Michael works on, communications, government affairs, which you work on. Sure. So uh, really anything and everything. And, you know, I manage the staff and I manage the issues, but they do all the work. So I'm lucky. I got a great staff. You got a great staff. I That's do have what a it's great all staff. about. Yeah, yeah. Well, Michael, you uh, you're the comms lead, right? Uh, you get the message out there, and also work hard in domestic promotion. Tell us about your area and your role. Yeah, sure. So, uh, thank you for saying we get the message out. We we try. Uh, my team does communications. We do the daily every day at 2:30 Central, uh, which is filled with Rice news. We have our website. We manage our social media accounts. We have several different ones, and we have our own podcast. So this is like a crossover episode of, uh, with our podcast. <laughs> uh, that's in the communications realm and obviously also the meetings and the education opportunities that we work to put those together. And then on the domestic promotion front, you know, we work in the largest tariff-free market. We don't have any of the headaches that Sarah has. And we just are promoting rice, working with chefs and, and uh, influencers, social media influencers of their own and, and uh, school nutrition and just trying to protect U.S. rice's position in the, in the market. Perfect, perfect. Well, Sarah, you and I go way back. Uh, I cut my teeth in this industry and export sales, traveling the world, trying to sell rice and and know some of the issues that you run into. But tell us about your position and and maybe some of the challenges that you're facing around the world right now. Yeah, a lot of the issues are probably the same ones that you saw many years ago. Uh, Unfortunately, the trade policy challenges take a long time to resolve. Um, But as you know, exports are a big part for the U.S. rice industry. We export about half of our crop. And so it's important that we have strong markets and that we're constantly looking for new markets. We have promotions programs in about two dozen different markets and they're all over the world. The the majority of our exports do go to the Western Hemisphere, so we spend a lot of time and effort on Mexico and Central America and Canada. Uh, And it's efforts both on the promotion side and also on the trade policy side to try to reduce tariffs in certain markets and in other markets, just maintain open and free trade and make sure there aren't non-tariff barriers like MRLs or any other things that countries like to come up with. So that's great. Busy job. Thanks for that. So Betsy, this would kind of be like an exit interview, right? (laughs) (laughs) With with you heading out. So so as you look at your time uh, at USA Rice and look at where our industry is, 
if, if you had to put the, the, the number one thing out there the industry needs to achieve over the next few years to be successful, what, what do you think that one thing would be? Um, that's, a, that's a tough question, but I think I would say one of the success stories of the industry has been our partnerships, right? And whether it's with Riceland, whether it's with Ducks Unlimited, whether it's with USDA for the funding that we get, whether it's with the University of Arkansas. So continuing those partnerships that leverage resources for all of us, right? So, you know, we have a limited amount of money available to do all the things that we need to do in the rice industry, and we get a little piece of that, but we want to make sure that we're looking for people that'll support what we're doing, and that's been a real success story, certainly on the conservation sustainability front. And that's, to me, that's, that's the next frontier, right? Climate change, methane, all those things that we hear about um, are going to be priorities for years to come. And I think we're really well positioned, frankly, because of all the work we've already done and the work that you guys are doing um, to tell our story and to be a leader in that space. No, I think that's great. You know, we, of course, we see the rice industry as huge because we're in the middle of it, but at the end of the day, we're a really small industry, right? I mean, three million acres nationally is nothing compared to soybeans or corn or cotton. So, so those collaboration efforts are... And short term, obviously, the Farm Bill is huge. And, and you know, it's, it is our safety net and it, you know, it worked. Uh, the 2014 Farm Bill was, we had a whole new program and it worked but it needs to be updated and it needs to it, it needs to do more for rice farmers than it's doing right now. So that's a real priority in the short term. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Michael, what, what about in the domestic market? What do, what do you see the biggest opportunity in the domestic market for? Well, honestly, I think one of the things we heard about today was about the checkoff program and the changes that people want to make to the checkoff program. You know, it hasn't been updated in 20, 25 years mm -hmm. and that's the buying power that we have is not what it is. You know, dollar today is not the same as the dollar then. And so we are limited sometimes by some of those you know, resources that we don't have. There are plenty of opportunities for us. Uh, people are excited about domestic rice. They don't know that necessarily that they can get rice in the U.S., but they like to do it. They like to support U.S. farmers. It's environmentally uh, you know, favorable to you know, not be importing rice halfway around the world to, to get it right here. We always tell chefs, no matter where your restaurant is, there's a rice farm in the U.S. closer than Vietnam. So use U.S. rice. Uh, one of the things we're looking at uh, in the short term is also redesigning our Grown in the USA logo uh, that folks use. Rice and Foods uses it, and we appreciate it. And uh, to make it a little bit more modern and uh, maybe more accessible to more consumers and, and retailers so that we maybe will get the word out a little bit more with that. Yeah, that's great. Good stuff. So, Sarah, in the export world, it's always about what's next, right? So. So what keeps you up at night uh, when you think about what's going on around the world for rice? What, what, are, you, what are you concerned about right now? Um, well, I mean, when you have big countries like India just slapping on export bans, that, that totally wreaks havoc in the entire rice world. And uh, so I think we're still kind of seeing what the ramifications of that are going to be and kind of what other countries' reactions are going to be. It could, could spiral out of control or it could be mitigated disaster. So it's <laughs> keeping my eyes on that. Um, as for export markets, you know, a lot of what we do is to make sure the markets that are open stay open and then to constantly chip away at the markets that are closed to us or restricted to us. And so Cuba's always been that market for us. It's in our backyard. It's so easy yet so far away. Um, but, you know, we've been slowly making some progress there and I think it's going to take a little bit longer, but that's definitely a good market for us. And China's another market that we're slowly making progress in. Um, and also just different uses for rice. You know, rice is a big, a big uh, food for people, but you can also use rice in products, whether it's snacks or, or uh, drinks. And so different uses for rice in the export markets, high value. Okay. I appreciate that. 
Well, guys, on behalf of Riceland's 5,500 members, let me thank you for all that you do for the industry. Again, I've been in that tent, been with you there in D.C. and understand uh, the complexity of the issues and know that the, the hard work it takes to kind of get all the cats herded, if you will, in D.C. So we thank you for what you do. Thank you, and thank you for, we just um, hosted your, your leadership your next leadership class, the rice. That's great that you're doing that. That's what we need to do is train the future leaders in this industry. And it's all about the future. It is. It is. Yeah. Thank you. Well, again, hey, thanks yeah, for the time. Thanks, thanks for the time. All right, that's all the time we've got for this week, and we'll see you next time here on the Graniacs. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe, leave us a rice rating, and comment wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again for joining us on the Graniacs podcast.